Hello and welcome to Maine ASCD, the podcast, the podcast where we talk about whole child education and its tenets of healthy, safe, engaged, supported, and challenged. I am your host, Dr. Lee Alley, the Executive Director of Maine ASCD, and joining me today in the pod is Dr. Julie Meltzer, the former president of the Maine Curriculum Leaders Association and the current Maine Curriculum Leader of the Year. Today we'll be talking about whole child education, but we'll also be talking about the things that Julie wishes people knew about public education in America. So have a listen. Don't forget to hit subscribe. And you'll never miss an episode of Maine ASCD, the podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Maine ASCD, the podcast, the podcast where we talk about whole child education, where we spotlight our members and where we connect with like-hearted individuals around the whole child tenants. And today with me is Dr. Julie Meltzer. Hi, Julie. Hi, Lee. So glad to be here. We're so proud to have you with us. So um, I have to say in the interest of full disclosure, I've known Julie for almost 20 years, which I think really dates me a little bit. So don't ask exactly how old I might be. I tell everyone I was the Doogie Hauser of educators, but I've known Julie a really long time. I first met Julie before I even was um, a teacher in service. I had just finished my undergraduate degree and was preparing to take the reins in my first high school English classroom and was part of a an adolescent literacy project with Julie and we've kind of remained connected ever since then. Um, Julie right now is currently the um, main curriculum leader of the year, right Julie? I am. I'm very honored to be to be nominated by my colleagues. That was really a, a surprise, very pleasant. And and also you're a past president of that group as well, right? I am, yes. So would you tell us just a little bit about you, Julie, about your passions, your interests in education and the MCLA itself? Because we've been trying to be really purposeful about partnering with you all um, the last few years, trying to get out of our silo and think about how we can each do better what we do best. Well, I think we have also been uh, thinking along those lines. Um, I have to say that MCLA has really been a lifesaver on many, many levels. Um, This role of director of curriculum can be very, very lonely. And throughout Maine, it's defined very, very differently. Every one of us has a unique composite of different responsibilities. Some of us, for example, have supervision and evaluation, some don't. Some oversee federal um, grants, some don't. Some are only focused on um, one level of education, like K-8 or 9-12. Others have a whole prep plethora of other responsibilities or um, really uh, bring to life that phrase, you know, other duties as needed kind of thing. (laughs) And so uh, we tend to be this um, pivotal person that connects all the people in the district and all of the things that the district's trying to accomplish. And that has to translate everything that's coming from the state, everything that um, we might want to be accomplishing. And that has to somehow be matched to where the district was. And so you can't just willy nilly apply something at people. It's not a blank slate. There's traditions, there's 
belief systems. There's um, the, the age and experience base of the teachers you're working with, et cetera, et cetera. And then there's equity issues in Maine, of course, um, with funding. And there are very, very different size districts in Maine. And so the MCLA, um, as I understand it, before I was involved with it, basically just gave two conferences. That's really what they came together as a professional organization to do. Sure. When I was on the board starting about seven years ago, we really made a concerted effort to say, wait a minute, this, these are our colleagues. These, we have to start um, really functioning as a group that is supportive of one another, that really stands for what we believe is best in education, that has a voice, and that is collaborative and that we have to be thinking about all of Maine. We can't just be thinking about those who are fortunate enough to have curriculum directors. We know that's only 60% of the districts in Maine. So we have to think about if there's um, work that our members need, whether that was um, working towards proficiency-based education, through use of strategies, through safe and healthy, through all kinds of different um, internal and external uh, directions that we needed to manage, we needed to be thinking about how could anybody in the state um, engage in professional learning? How can we make it uh, a way that really met the needs of people from all different districts? So this was a long and ongoing conversation. And um, when we looked around, obviously Maine ASCD's uh, mission and purpose was similarly aligned and it seems ridiculous not to collaborate and I think that the majority of the people who are associated with both organizations now feel that. Um, I think MCLA has done a great job of trying to really invent itself again or reinvent itself. Um, I'm really proud of the work that we've done in that regard and of course there's lots more to do. For us too, we're in the same place. And I know that you know that, Julie, from our, our conversations and the types of collaborations that we would love to sort of get off the ground. The conference model doesn't work for us anymore for so many reasons. Some of it is the equity piece. Some of it is just that rurality piece. Um, but again, we've had that conversation too on our board that we believe that learning should be free. And if that's true, it has to be free, not just for our learners, but for you know, our educators as well. So we've taken that to heart. At this point, we only have one offering that um, that folks really have to put some, some money behind to take part in. The rest is free and anywhere, anytime. And I think that's our obligation. And um, I love that you folks want to partner with us to do that as well. What are some of the ways, I know that you, you had mentioned too, Julie, that you folks sort of struggle relying on that conference model too. What are some of the ways that you're helping to connect folks that don't rely on that? How do they get support from MCLA without relying solely on that conference model? So one of the things that um, the former executive director, uh, Heidi McGinley was interested in doing with the board was to connect members more purposefully and thoughtfully. So we started having these regional meetings, one in Auburn and one in uh, Bangor three times a year to try to get smaller <coughs> clusters of curriculum leaders to define what kinds of 
things that we wanted to be focusing on, to have a voice in bills that were coming up before the legislature to provide feedback to um, the Department of Ed, et cetera. And because we had the voice of our members more engaged, we were able to hear that what people wanted was, for example, if there was a conference, they also wanted an online or virtual um, or satellite option, which is what we started with this past year, which was really cool because you know, we'll get better at this, but it allowed there to be a, a one big group in one part of the state and another big group in two other parts of the state and everyone didn't have to travel and stay overnight and the satellite um, options were much less expensive. And so it allowed us to, to for the first time, really start to democratize uh, access. Um, we also went from having um, sort of the big key name, uh, you know, big known name comes in and gives the big one too without follow-up and to really having our members um, collaborate on a learning team and provide support for people and really taking the same kind of um, approach that you have under the whole child tenants, you know, yes. here's what we think is going on, what's your self-assessment, then what are your next steps? And so, by having members work with other members, that was a low cost option that could be um, expanded. And we all started sort of being available to each other and trying to especially support people who are in these positions um, for the first time who are coming in and saying, what do I do? How do I do this? You know, So all of those different ways we've tried to, to really expand what we're offering. Our, our current director, Courtney Belolan, you know her, She's very energetic and she's very interested in figuring out how the technology can flatten access um, and how we can continue to engage in ways that um, make the voice echo. Um, and so she and, um, and Shelly, the, the president is uh, Shelly Mogul from Auburn, have been meeting with for example, Pender and others in her um, advisory group and being able to really present what does that look like in the ground? You say you want this, but this is what it would look like and this is how it, it could be done. Um, and then the other piece is that we haven't always had ways to really connect with other people. So MCLA started having events where each curriculum director would bring their superintendent. So we could all be in the same room talking about the same issue or have events where the members of the ed committee were invited um, so that we could really share what was going on. Um, and, and just opening up those conversations has been really good, I think. I love that. We've been doing a lot of those same things. We moved to a model where we um, had taken our book studies to the regions. You know, there's so many regions of Maine and we had put we had put someone in each of the regions so that they could have a book group, you know, in real time, you know, in those regions, but also connect via Zoom. And then we brought in, um, the last time that we, we followed this model, we brought in Mike Anderson, the author of Learning Things You Choosing to Learn. And he was fabulous. He was so generous with his time. And it was exciting to connect face-to-face, -face, which people still crave very much in those regions, and then connect everyone you know, via Zoom and, and um, make that more equitable 
for everyone who wanted to take part. That was fabulous. And I love what you said too, Julie, about connection, because I do think educators just crave that. And they love hearing from the expert down the hall. And I'm not sure how it's been for MCLA, but our best attended conferences are those where we invite folks who are serving, you know, in schools across Maine. And we say, come share what you're doing that you're excited about. And everyone leaves so energized and, and feeling like they can go back and, and make a real impact. And of course, it's easy sometimes when you hear the messaging around schools and, um, you know, when you feel the pressures of what it takes to really be that support for people, it's easy to sort of, you know, just need that little, that boost to keep going, you know, and especially when it comes to professional development, if you don't have access, then it's harder sometimes to feel like you're as current as you want to be or connected as you want to be and all of those sorts of things. So I love our twin passion, the two of our organizations to delivering that. So when we think about connection, what are some of those connections that you crave, Julie? Who are you following in your professional life? Um, you know, who are you men your mentors? Who are you following on online? Those kinds of things. Well, I don't follow that many people on Twitter. I get overwhelmed by all of the, um, constant pings um but i do i do um really always treasure what carol jago and what um doug fisher and nancy frey have to say they're thoughtful and i often find something to connect to or find the links that they make are um really valuable so i i do try to, to keep up with with what they have to say um, I, I really, uh, as I said, the, the MCLA listserv has been just um, a lifesaver for me. Um, I feel like who's really important or what I pay attention to changes mm -hmm. by what I'm trying to find out about um, or what I'm trying to put into place. But in general, um, ILA and ASCD and MCLA would be my three go-tos. And then there are several blogs and um, a lot of the information I, f I find mind shift from KQED and uh, NPR. It's really helpful. It has a lot of really great um, perspectives. Edutopia is sometimes uh, useful. Sometimes I find like, it's on target and sometimes not. Um, I think uh, the Alliance for Excellent Education uh, has a really nice perspective nationally. Um, on policy and on issues that are coming up for schools. Mm -hmm. um, so those are some of the go-tos, I guess. I love that. So it, it's, I was excited. Uh, I had just let you know, Julie, a few weeks ago that I had nominated you for this member spotlight, but I had known I was going to for actually a few months. I had mentioned you, I think, back in July when we first started really kind of rolling out these spotlights. I knew that I wanted folks to be able to connect with you. Um, and I thought it's so timely for me. You know, I look to you as a mentor. I have since I was very young. I still think of you, you know, very much as a mentor. Love connecting with resources you point, point me toward. Love that we are working together now in various capacities with the Institute for Humane Education. I love the ways that I get to be back sort of in your world again. And I thought how exciting for me that in the face of some really uncertain times right now that I got to connect with you like this today because connection again, it's just that grounding thing. And we always frame this question as 
um, you know, what keeps you sane in this crazy profession. But, um, you know, what are those things for you that just help you to stay encouraged to do the work or, you know, that fill you up again when, you know, it feels like your vessel needs filling? Because for me, you're one of those folks. Oh, well, for, for me, you're one of those folks too, your enthusiasm and your integrity and your dedication to your work. And I think that really frames what fills me up. When I'm working with colleagues who really get it, who really have a passion for teaching and learning, who want to do their best thinking and their best work together, and who can be touchstones for one another when we're each feeling like we're crazy in this theater of the absurd we call education in America in 2020. It's just um, really easy to lose your footing or to slide or to get um, really depressed because you don't feel like you're doing what you need to be doing or you're doing enough or maybe I'm not paying enough attention to this thing that just blew in or that thing that everybody's talking about and you have to sort of stay centered um, that it's about uh, it's about helping our educators to teach with heart it's about helping systems to have structures that really support kids and the adults who work with them on those five tenants. And it's equally as important for the adults as it is for the kids. And then I just need to remember to take breaks. I, I do as well as much as I do because I actually, even though people think I work 24 seven, I actually take breaks and that's really helpful. Um, I'm not really good at taking care of myself. So I'm really lucky that um, my husband considers that one of his um, primary jobs. So um, that's how I get, I get good food and um, reminders to take a break and to walk and all of those things that really make a difference. Um, that's also true. So true, Julie. And um, this year we've really made it one of our real areas of impact, we hope, is supporting the whole educator, not just the whole child, because it is so easy to put the self last when you want to be putting so many other people and their needs first. And so we've been supporting the whole educator so that they can support the whole child, which I think is really important. And you're right. These are every bit as important for adults as they are for learners, these, these five tenets. And um, when I was just listening to you share all of what you just shared, Julia, made me think I talk so often about Parker Palmer. And, you know, he says at the bottom of education, it's knowing and it's being known. And isn't that really what it's about? And every time I think about it, I just sort of get goosebumps because I just think it's, it's as simple and it's as complex as that. And that's why it's easy to feel that the whole weight of the world is right there on your shoulders. So. You mentioned the five tenets, Julie, and those are healthy, safe, engaged, supported, challenged, as you know. And we always ask folks what they feel their strongest tenet might be. Do you have one that you feel that you sort of gravitate toward? Well, I think for me, they kind of break into two subgroups. And I think by nature and by the history of my work and focus, probably the engage, support, challenge cluster is stronger in that I have more ways to suggest and support and bring that into being with people. Um, 
I think I've had to take, like many people, a crash course on what do we really mean by safe and healthy, both for teachers, as you're pointing out, um, and for students. I certainly did not anticipate having to learn so much about social emotional learning, um, trauma sensitive schools, uh, trying to figure out how to make uh, communities in every classroom that function and, and are supportive, uh, ways to infuse mindfulness um, and, and to become a mindful school. <laughs> um, we're still early on in those, in those steps. And I, I really appreciate both that I have had to learn about them and how important they are. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I, uh, you know, I teach for the University of Maine at Augusta, and I've been creating courses the last few years about social emotional learning and trauma sensitive practice because it's just so needed. And again, it's not something that I think maybe your experience was different from mine, Julie, but certainly when I was a pre service educator, I didn't receive what I needed no. to be ready to intervene in these ways for these learners. And I read something the other day that said, if you want to teach children anything, teach them how to care. And I just think that's so true. We have to get back to so many of these things. And, you know, I, because you are one of my mentors, I frequently quote you to other people. So your ears should be burning quite continually, I would think. But um, I, one of the things that you used to say, Julie, as part of our literacy work is that literacy isn't something to add to the plate. Literacy is the plate. And I've quoted you about that recently in these courses I've created, because if literacy is the plate, then SEL and whole child education is the table or it's the floor or it's the cornerstone of the house's foundation or it's the bedrock or it's the something. It's just everything. And so you're right. I mean, it's just so all important, these tenets. And so I sometimes talk about which is the actual umbrella. Is it, is it whole child education and SEL is situated under that? Is it vice versa? And it doesn't matter. We just need to be focusing these ways, you know, on these things for these these learners, they need us and they just absolutely, you know, absolutely. And in these times, I think we also have to focus on it, as you mentioned before, for our teachers, our teachers are fragile. Um, and I think that they feel often um, alone and inundated by all the stresses of the world that we're in. And without, I don't think they want to be reflecting that to students. And, and I don't think that they want to be entering into a dynamic where they might be um, inadvertently uh, not as calm and centered as they need to be in order for kids not to bounce off of them in a negative way. Um, and that sounds like an, some kind of indictment on teachers and it isn't at all. Um, I just feel like they need the same kinds of tools that we're trying to have them provide for the students. And I don't know that we can ask them to provide them in a really full and deep way if they don't have them. Absolutely. No, you're so right. Julie, pretty recently I heard you and another colleague that I really value and respect having a conversation. Um, it was a really respectful conversation, but cer certainly one of slightly different viewpoints. And in that conversation, as I was listening to it, first I was just 
I was blown away by how, by how wonderfully you both handled that conversation. But also I thought, I wonder what else Julie Meltzer wishes people knew about public education in America. And I want to put you on the spot and ask you that question now on the podcast, because I just think there are so many things that we assume people know and they just don't know. And it's up to us to educate them, of course. But yet, you know, we don't always have the opportunity or, or get up on our you know, soapbox or whatever to do that. So if you could just name a couple of things, what would those be? What do you wish people knew? I wish people really understood that public education in America is the only hope we have for equity. And it's the only hope we have for a future where people could thrive. And at the same time, we have wrapped around the idea of public school so many limits and rules and laws and all well-intended that actually create a tangle within which we are trying to educate children. Add that to the fact that a school can only be a reflection of the community that it serves. And it's not, it's not the cause of any of the issues that we see in society, but it is a microcosm. I think people don't understand how hard it is to teach. I don't think they understand how courageous it is to teach how vulnerable it is. I speak to artists sometimes who have an opening and they have their work on the wall and they say they feel like they're just completely vulnerable, completely open because people are gonna walk by and they're going to say things about this work that they are putting out into the world. And I think teachers do that all the time. They put their heart and soul into this work and then they get blamed and they get, um, castigated, they get, um, they get told that what they're doing is wrong and what they're doing is not enough and what they're, and, and um, people who are doing things for political and monetary gain are framing the conversations. Um, and it's just hard. We don't, we don't have the respect. We don't have the salaries. We don't have a schedule that makes any sense. We don't have, in many places, adequate materials or adequate, um, adequate facilities or adequate uh, technology or, ad or adequate even um, adequate people to actually address and support the group of growing minds and bodies that are in front of us. Um, and I get frustrated because there's all these limits about we're not supposed to do this and we're not supposed to ask about this and we're not supposed to cross this line and we're supposed to do this and we're supposed to do that and we're supposed to make sure this and it, you know, I, I talk to teachers who you know, have a class of 15 and they've got seven individualized plans they're supposed to be following and they've got a grade span of three grades in that one class and they have no help and the day is chopped up into pieces and I don't think anyone wants that, but that's the way 
that's the result of all the the pieces that have been assembled. I think of schools as sort of a magnet and they've picked up all of this dust and weird pieces of metal and all kinds of junk. And you can't even see what, what they were designed to attract anymore. <laughs> no, that's completely true. I, you know, fortunately our listeners are not going to be able to see the fact that I've been sitting here semi-ugly crying <laughs> while you've been talking, but it's so true. And, you know, it's just even hearing someone acknowledge the challenges sometimes just feels so, I don't know, it's cathartic somehow, because in so many instances we're facing those challenges alone. Even if we're in a building surrounded by people who love us, we all have this same burden to bear. And it's such a welcome burden. You know, Matt and Matt Drew at Card and I talk about it as a beautiful burden frequently, but it can be a really lonely burden. You know, when you're there in front of those those kiddos or those, you know, middle or high school students who are, will always be kiddos, you know, my, my college students are my kiddos, even if they're older than me. And it's funny so, how that happens, huh? It's so funny. I called them my kids the other day when I was trying to find a solution for the fact that the university had to send them home. And, but they're my children. They're old enough to be my mom, but they're mine. <laughs> and, you know, just hearing, just having friends in, in the good fight and just hearing, you know, that other people are struggling too can be helpful. And I think that's why, you know, we value you folks at the MCLA and just the, collegiality, the camaraderie, all of it, because we just need each other. We need each other. Um, and certainly this conversation with you, Julie, has been a blessing for me. I'm so happy that I got to talk to you today because it's the start of another uncertain week in a public school trying to support teachers. And so I'm grateful for the time. Um, if, if folks wanted to connect with you at the close of this podcast, if they had questions for you, if they wanted to reach out to you to hear about, you know, what's happening at the MCLA or things that you might recommend to them for resources, what might those, those platforms be? Well, they can always go to my work email, which is just J Meltzer. That's just like Seltzer, but with an M. J Meltzer at MDIRSS for MDI Regional School System. Um, that's probably the easiest way to um, get in touch with me. I am also on LinkedIn and I answer messages there. And I am on Twitter at mainly words. That's mainly M-A-I-N-E-L-Y. Um, but I have to say that I am still puzzling on how I can uh, use that platform more effectively. So far, it's just not as helpful to me as I would like. Um, you can always go to the MCLA website, which is maincla.org. Um, and I'm always happy to hear from, from folks. Uh, I really value and always learn when people reach out. So I really hope that some of the folks who are listening, if they wanna have a conversation about anything that we touched on or anything related to anything that we touched on, um, I'd be happy to do that. I wanted to just say one more thing about um, who we need to be supporting. And I wanna say that uh, the group of principals I work with are amazing people. They're outstanding. And they care deeply about their people and about their kids and about their families in their school. And they're not getting enough support. Yeah, 
they're not. I, I don't know if you know, Julie, but my dissertation was about PLCs for principals and how that can be a model, you know, in rural northern New England and I'm sure other rural contexts, but you're so right. They, they need each other because it's not like they have a teacher's room to retreat to and to find that, you know, the very kind of companionship in the work that we just talked about. You're so right. It can be so lonely for them too. And um, yeah, we need to find better ways to be supporting them as well. Julie, I'm so glad that you took the time. So thankful for you giving up a Sunday evening to record this with me. You know, as I said, it really was a blessing and I can't wait to get this out to our members and to your members and beyond. I think it's a good word for a good time and I'm thankful. Thank you so much for asking. I really, really feel honored. And um, I really look forward to continuing the conversation. Perfect. Appreciate you, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. Take care and have a great night. You too. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Maine ASCD, the podcast, but more than that, of course, as always, we hope that you will continue the conversation with us via any of our social media channels. You can find us at our website, maineascd.org. You can find us at Twitter, at maineascd. You can find us on Facebook, at meascd. And of course, you can find us anywhere podcasts are heard. Until next time, take care. Thank you.